Hello and welcome to the Lowdown and Insider's Look at stories touching our lives here on Cape Cod and beyond. My name is Ira Wood and you're listening to us live today on WOMR 92.1 FM Provincetown, WFMR 91.3 FM Orleans, and streaming worldwide on WOMR.org. So here's a question. When Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston were writing, did they acknowledge that they were part of the Harlem Renaissance? Same question with Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac. Did they call themselves the Beat Generation? And how about the Bloomsbury Group, all of whom denied being a group, saying only that they were united by an abiding belief in the importance of the arts? I ask because I think there's something going on here right now on the Outer Cape, certainly not on the order of a world-renowned cultural explosion, but a social and artistic movement nonetheless, one that encompasses serious music, theater, radio, visual arts, writing, and various schools that offer classes in creating and appreciating them all. One of those is surely the Open University of Wellfleet, which for 10 years now has been offering high-quality and affordable academic courses in local history, politics, ecology, and the arts, as well as world literature, film, architecture, and culture. Every course is taught by an experienced expert with the goal of collaborative learning. My guests today are Professor Rhoda Flaxman, the founder of the Open University of Wellfleet, and Claude Kirvin, an award-winning filmmaker on this year's faculty. Rhoda and Claude, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Ira. Uh, Rhoda got nervous. She didn't know where I was going with that. (laughs) Holy cow, where is he going? I told you I would come back. (laughs) So, Rhoda, congratulations, not only for making a success out of your retirement dream and creating a much appreciated institution, but also seeing that it's constantly changing for the better, not only adding more interesting courses and interesting faculty, but spreading it all out via different media and locations. Tell me, before we start, what have you learned over the years that keep people signing up and coming back? I think we have to be new all the time, and I think we have to find the absolute best teachers that we could possibly find. These don't necessarily have to be PhDs, but they do have to have a passion for their subject and think about it over a long period of time. And I've been very lucky because people just show up in my life and in my courses like Claude, who just answered um, when he looked at our brand new website, which is quite stunning. And, um, and then I interview each of the teachers to make sure they know what they're talking about and try very hard to keep the academic quality high out here. Well, that's a great segue into Claude. Uh, Claude, I want to start with your course. All right. And you'll be teaching about the golden age of Hollywood from 1935 to 1960. Correct. From the early days of sound film to the culmination of the classical Hollywood era. First of all, tell us about yourself, how you ended up teaching at Open U, and then tell us about the films you'll be showing and what people can learn. Okay. Um, I don't know how far back to go in my past, but uh, I basically got into this because I could not be a doctor, much to my surprise, and got started in radio. Um, But then... um, Uh, When I started working professionally, it was in children's television. I don't know if your viewers be old enough to remember uh, after-school specials, but I did a lot of those after-school specials. We go back to Howdy Doody. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And 
I got very lucky because <laughs> one year Saturday Night, Live, Saturday Night Live was doing a short film and they did a director who had experience with children and somebody recommended me and I was there for like, like five seasons, I think, doing short films for them. So those cool films that we see on Saturday Night Live that you don't even know are part of Saturday Night Live sometimes, are th some of those were yours? Some of oh, those yeah. were very cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, a lot of them got a lot of attention, like... Uh, Synchronized Swimmers was a big one. That was a real popular one. Did you do Dick in a Box? I know that was after my time. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so what are you so going... memorable though, right? <laughs> yeah, it was Dick very in a Box. Dick How can you not remember that? Um, so why why the Golden Age of Hollywood? Tell us what films you're showing. What are you starting? Well, this actually started with a, the first section, which was the silent era. We started everything from uh, the origins of film through the um, jazz singer and the beginning of sound films. And so that's the section we're in now, which is the golden age of Hollywood. Uh, there's a third section that starts with like the new wave cinema in France, goes all the way up to the independent uh, genre like with Spike Lee films like that and then eventually we get into a little bit more international films and uh, women's contribution to cinema. So just let me clarify each of these is a semester right separate semester and you can take them in any order you wish you can take one you can take all five and just to give him a shout out I always go to introduce the courses but when I went to Claus and I sat through the first one I said I'm taking this course don't always do. And where are you? Where is this being given? Uh, Preservation Hall in Wellfleet. And they and you show a complete film. And um, actually, no. Students watch films on their own time. Okay. And then we come in and we talk about the film. I teach them a little bit about what was going on in the rest of the world at the time that that film was being made. We talk about some of the technical advancements and hopefully make it a little bit more user friendly for people. Uh, and then dovetail into the next film that we're going to watch. Um, and to answer your question, what films we're watching this uh, session, it's Singing in the Rain and Bride of Frankenstein, Citizen Kane, Bicycle Thief and Psycho. So that's a great. How lineup. did you choose those? Why? Why? Well, it's hard. You know, when you're trying to reduce the history of, of international cinema to 20 films, you're leaving a lot of your favorites. Do each out. of those represent an era? Um, each of them generally fall into a, a decade. Um, but. You know, it depends because certain things were happening, say, in Germany, where they were still doing more silent films when the United States were still doing more sound films. So sometimes I backtrack a little bit to cover the history of German cinema or something like that. Um, but, you know, it's 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 really hard to find 10 films that are going to stand for for all of that. Well, but. I think this is better than any intro course in cinema that I've ever seen taught in colleges, at least when I went to college, at least you're not starting with the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and in, and in Tolerance, you know. Well, <clears throat> no, we didn't watch Intolerance, <laughs> but we did watch a little of cabinet Dr. Caligari. Oh, you did? Well, you know, there are certain films in film history you can't ignore whether they're your favorite films or not. So, yeah, we touched on all those. Intolerance gets a little bit tricky these days, but uh, you can't talk about the history of cinema without touching on D.W. Griffith. So we talk about the controversy that was going on around the time that he made that film, but he was such a, an important figure in cinema history. You can't leave him out. Uh, but... Basically, we try to have fun with this every week and not make it too academic. Sounds fascinating. Uh, sounds, I wrote a, this, uh, really kudos to you for finding Claude, or well, I think Claude for finding you. Well, he found you. us. Well, it's and fascinating. And what I love about that course was he's able to explain some technical aspects of filmmaking without making it boring 
You know, we talked about different shots, different kinds of shots. I never heard that kind of discussion before. Well, look, everybody who comes to the course is an expert on watching films. They've been watching thousands of hours of films and TV show. And I find that most people <clears throat> know all these concepts. It's just that they know it unconsciously. We raise it up to their conscious mind and bring their attention to it. And most people go, oh, of course. I knew that's what it was. I just didn't know why it was. And it's much easier than Rhoda's course because you don't have to read like a 10-pound book. <laughs> no, you just have to watch a movie. <laughs> what a, what <laughs> a <laughs> slam. We're going we're gonna to get to you, Rhoda, if you're just joining us. You're listening to The Lowdown with Ira Wood on WOMR. Today we're talking about the Open University of Wellfleet. For 10 years now, a series of community seminars about film, literature, history, and art taught by local experts. My guests are Rhoda Flaxman, the founder of OU, and Claude Kirvin, a filmmaker who's been, who'll be teaching about the golden age of Hollywood. So another course um, involving, actually, the confluence of literature and film centers on Christopher Isherwood's very, very famous and long-lived fictional heroine, Sally Bowles, made famous in a novella by Christopher Isherwood, uh, and then on stage by the Cape's own Julie Harris in I Am a Camera, and then in film by Liza Minnelli in Cabaret. I have to say, this is a brilliant idea following an iconic literary character through various genres. Tell us about the course. Yes. It's, I think, I agree with you, it's a brilliant course. And John Anderson and John Schumann are extremely generous in what they're offering their students because this course is actually going to meet twice a week. Uh, once on Monday at Watt, in which they will talk about the text of the book, the short stories of Isherwood. And then on Friday, John's going to show screenings of some of these movies, including Cabaret, including Liza Minnelli's version of uh, Sally Bowles, uh, I Am a Camera, all of the great ones that many of us have heard about but maybe never seen. Who wants to take a shot at, at just a two-minute description of who Sally Bowles was? Um, you know, I need some help with that. Okay, because... Sally Bowles was Isherwood's um, creation based on a woman who he met in Weimar, Germany, who had been a very, very wealthy woman. Uh, she was the daughter of a Scottish magnate, but she lived in the demi-monde. She was always playing and trying to convince people that she was way more sexually experienced than she was, and she played at um, getting lots of sympathy. She's a really operatic character, so much so that she lived on. Other people would take her on. Isherwood started her, and then she was taken on by John Van Druten, and then Candor and Ebb, and Bob Fosse in Cabaret, and she's a, she is a literary icon. It's just, it's just a, it's an amazing thing. First course I've ever seen that actually looked at her yes. and, and the person whom she was based on. Yes, in fact, I thought we were going to be talking more about Isherwood, but in fact, John wanted to focus on the figure of Sally Bowles because I think he's very interested in representations of homosexuality, abortion, anti-Semitism. It's very hot, and ironically, at the same time, without planning it this way, we have, a, of course, um, on the music of Candor and Ebb, 
So let's go right into so that's that. So that's so funny. That, that's pretty amazing yeah. that um, Mark Strauss, who has been with the Open University, I think, from very from the very beginning, yes. Yes. he's teaching a, a course on the music of Kander and Ebb. And if you don't know who Kander and Ebb are, they, of course, did the music for Cabaret and Chicago and are responsible for some of the most famous songs in the American canon, like New York, New York, and um, all that jazz, all that jazz, all that jazz. So, and Kiss of the Spider Woman, which was very, very moving and complicated play as well. It was indeed, which I really loved. So, um, I think that it's just a funny joining of different people. Neither of them knew the other person was going to be teaching. And when? Will, what are the particulars on that particular course? Um, this is all about the historical context for Cantor and Ebb. Um, and trying to bring out people don't really recognize their names so well. Some it's of not them, like Rogers and Hammerstein, exactly. Lerner and, and Lowe, and yet right, and and yet some of the best things to hit Broadway have been Cantor and Hebb. And Mark is an incredibly fertile kind of teacher. He comes up with new things all the time. He runs so many Zooms now. He has a film club that puts out movies. I, I couldn't believe it. Four, I think four series right now of films. That are not that are not associated with Open U, That's but right. he's doing That's one right. of his courses is for you. That's right. Now, why is he doing Zoom? Is it just because he finds that he can get students well, from all over the world? No, because he has left Wellfleet. Ah, so he has left. So Wellfleet. he is. Yes, he is away. And when before he left, he said, "Promise me that I can still teach in the Open University." <laughs> wow. So, so your teachers are very loyal. Yeah. That's that's. And they're some of them are fairly far flung. So we hope Mark continues forever because he's very popular. That's great, and his courses continue to fill up. Yes, absolutely. Okay, now Rhoda. You are going to be teaching Irish short stories this semester. Is this in homage to your family roots? <laughs> right. <laughs> I have to keep telling people I am not Irish, but I only love this fiction. And they're actually going to be short novels, most of them, so the reading will not be the usual Victorian monstrosities, but short novels that help me under, understand and answer two questions. One of them is, why is it the Irish have such an outsized reputation in literature? I mean, think of Yeats, think of Joyce, think of Seamus Heaney. And it continues to this day. So last semester, I taught the first part of this course, and I did not intend to teach another, but it turned out so many of my students were of Irish extraction that there was an, an extra kind of angle to the reading, to the discussions, and then I thought there's got to be more that we could do with this to answer the second question, which is how do writers make art out of history? Because there's some beautiful historical works right now about the Irish experience in the 20th century, one of them being We Don't Know Ourselves by Fintan O'Toole. I don't know if you've read that. It's a wonderful combination memoir and history of the period. And the other one is about the Troubles by Patrick Keene. Um, and that's called Say Nothing. And during the Troubles, I'm sure you know, people were scared to speak because their accents 
would have given them away as to whether they were Catholic or Protestant. So saying nothing was the safest thing to do in the North. So I'm taking historical fact and trying to see how artists use those facts in order to create art. And the novels are fairly short this time around. There are five, and most people have not read them. Um, the only one that I think people are reading is the Niall Williams, which is called This is Happiness. It's about the bringing of electricity to Ireland. Um, the other one that people might be reading right now is Old God's Time, which just came out by Sebastian Barry. So this will be a, a, an extension of what I did the first time, but with much more contemporary work. So your your students really have to work hard, unlike Claude's <laughs> class, <laughs> where yeah, they just hang, hang home and smoke pot and <laughs> do their homework. Oh, poor Claude. But, they watch the movie. You know. <laughs> watch the movie. But your class, they do. And you are always full, right? You're yes. al you always get gluttons for punishment. You always <laughs> get people who love Rhoda, love to... Do, do you ever get any students in these, when you're teaching Irish literature who said, holy cow, that's why my family is like it is? That's exactly what happened. We were reading a book called Foster by Claire Keegan. Beautiful book. It's a novella. And somebody came up to me and said, you know, I never understood why my parents sent me out of Ireland to live with my grandmother in Boston. And it was basically the times before contraception and the families were too big, and there was no money, and so they would send a child, or sometimes two, to America. And this book is actually a fostering within Ireland, but it's the same idea. And this woman was so moved by that, this student of mine, and she said, thank you for having me read this book, because now I understand why I had to leave my family and come mm -hmm. to America. And of course, it changed her life. She never went back. But people sent me poems that they had written about the Irish experience. It's a large Irish population on Cape Cod, which I really didn't know before I offered this course. I'm verklempt, to, to, use an, <laughs> to use an Irish phrase. I am really, you get so much. If you're just joining us, you're listening to The Lowdown with Ira Wood. Today we're talking about the Open University of Wellfleet, a really fun way to meet new people and learn new things during the off-season on the Outer Cape. My guests are English professor Rhoda Flaxman and filmmaker Claude Curvin, who will be teaching about the golden age of Hollywood this semester. So another course that I find not only timely but sorely needed is the course called Gender Fluidity, Terms and Historical Perspectives in a Changing Sexual Landscape. I know a lot of people are very confused about gender and some are very threatened. So I think this is a great opportunity to learn and talk about it in a welcoming environment. So who is the teacher and what are their qualifications? So this is a woman named Toby Simon, who's lived out here a long time, but also in Providence. She was my colleague at Brown years ago. And uh, she was doing a lot of counseling for undergraduates about their sexual issues. And when she came to me and said, I miss teaching, I want to teach again. I said, well, you know, we don't do how-to courses. So you cannot teach a course at the Open University on how to have sex after 
or 60, let's say. Okay. But she said, no, what I want to do is help grandparents understand and know how to speak. Was that, a popular, gra- was that a popular course at Brown for the professors? Um, that was a long time ago, okay. so I don't really know. But it's, it's interesting. Um, she has a few students for whom this is very essential kind of course. Um, and she's very academic about it. You know, I said, we are an academic program. We are not a how-to program. And so she said, no, no, what I want to do is sort of interrogate the terms that we use and try to explain to people what is going on, not only in people's personal stories, but in theory. So there's, I think, a lot of theory in this course. And it's this is the second time she has offered it with new material. That's brilliant. Uh, where and when? Um, hers is in the library. She likes the intimacy of the library. It will be Thursdays from 2 to 4. How many people do you anticipate will be in that course, for instance? 12, 15, something like that? Max. Max. Yeah. So more it's like, an intimate. Yeah, more like 6 to 8. And for, and for people of an older generation who have real questions about gender fluidity, this would be an, a, a marvelous time to, to participate. Yes. An easy participation. Let me ask you about the teachers. What if someone wants to teach? Now, I know Matthew Dunn, our sound engineer, oh, yeah. was telling me just the other day that he might want to teach a course on Wittgenstein's philosophical investigations. So how would he apply well, first of all, I love to have Maddie do a course, and I have asked him every time you interview me, and he always says he doesn't have time, which, of course, is a weak excuse. Right, Maddie? Wherever you are. He's um, there. He's there. He, um, I know that he's very interested in philosophy. Exactly. And, That's what I'm saying. Wittgenstein. Right. Yeah. right. So what would happen if he came to me and said he wanted to teach a course is he would have to sit down with me and we'd have a serious conversation about what his intentions are and what his ideas are. And uh, then I would kind of scope out how effective he might be as a teacher because it really, personality is important in teaching. You have to know what you're doing. You cannot come across as some, you know, boring old person. That's the difference between being a selectman and being a teacher for Rhoda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would not go near the political, no. So I I can pretty well tell, you know, when when I met Claude, I was totally enchanted immediately because he has a personality that draws people to him. Exactly. And Anybody so, who teaches singing in the rain yes. has got to be a cool, a very cool person. Absolutely. My favorite movie of all time, Singing in the Rain. Well, look, teaching is a performance art. I don't know if people yes, think of it that of way, but it, it is. is. It is. It is. If you are not attuned to whether people are listening, whether they're zoning out, it's very, it's very, it's very important. Yeah, to yeah. keep their attention. I mean, it's a skill, I think. So you have a course... And talking, well, let's talk, let's do this one first. One of the perennial favorite courses is taught by Robert Rindler, and he's he's of course a well-known artist and a former art, arts administrator. Um, and this course enables contemporary Cape Cod artists to show and talk about 
their work. And it's a great opportunity to um, extend your knowledge of art outside the galleries. So tell us what Robert has done and is doing. Yeah, he has. this is the sixth time he's done it. He's, we've been on a regular cycle in which he teaches in the fall and Grace Hopkins teaches in the spring. And we sometimes find another art artist, art historian who would also be able to do a course. But Bob is just fabulous. He has a charm about him. He is so incredibly generous with his artists, and he draws out what they want and what they have, and he himself is incredibly articulate about the visual arts. So he can look at an abstract painting and talk about it in a way that brings it to life. What he does with these artists is, first of all, publicize their work, which is a gift to them, but also they come with their slides and everybody talks about it and he articulates what he's looking at in a way that is so meaningful and accessible. So I just love when he does one of these courses and he has been very loyal. This is the sixth time that he has taught. Do you know um, what artists he's going to have this year? I think that he is still in the process of looking for And they people. are all the popular artists that you see in the gallery. When I looked at his, yes. his over, the, over the last 10 years, the 50 artists that he has showcased, they're all people, Mark Adams and Helen Miranda Wilson, and people whose work we know and love and who are not only local, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but they are, they're right. internationally known. And so we have about five minutes left. And I would be remiss if I did not ask you to talk about Sea Captains of Cape Cod. Yes. Well, <laughs> Michael Pregott is a new teacher for us. Um, my friend June Hager, who's vice president of the board, heard him speak uh, down Cape somewhere and said, gee, this would be very interesting, especially if he is able to do a lot with the idea of um, other peoples who have been involved in the sea captain world. Um, and so he changed his course so that he could reach uh, this topic, which a lot of our people are very interested in. Um, and he has promised us that he's going to talk about each of the 15 towns on the Cape, which which should draw in people who want to learn about their own town. So where and when? Is this being given at the harbor? Where is this? I know, this is also, <laughs> it's too bad the weather doesn't cooperate. In the library, uh, Tuesdays 4 to 6. Okay. Everything's on our website, our brand new website, which I love. Um, and so people can check um, openuniversityofwellfleet.org. Now, I notice on your brand new beautiful website that there's a form for a gift certificate. Have you ever had anybody who attended because somebody thought they might enjoy a course? Yes. That's yes, just we do. it just seemed so brilliant. If you know somebody who's you know, shy and wouldn't mm -hmm. ordinarily do this thing. You could say, you would love a course about the golden age of cinema. Yes, we hope a lot of people mm -hmm. can go. We also offer scholarships if people can't afford it. We have had that taken up for a couple of people, a couple of people. And we very much encourage that as well. You know, we're a 501c3, Ira, so it means that we don't do this for the money. And we also really give good contributions to all of our venues without being asked, and we also give charity. 
So we feel like we're part of the community we live in and we're creating community. We have really fun times after class. I always invite my class to come and have a drink with me afterward. We go and have wine. Where would you go? Everything's well, closed in thank the winter. God, thank God for Winslow's Tavern. Let me give Tracy a shout out. Uh, she has offered to have us come anytime. And as long as Max Shack is open, we'll go there. And uh, then the winter comes, and we, we've been going to local break, actually. So there's always a way. You know what? Two of my favorite things, learning and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> You're I'm with, with you. me there. So I just want to thank both of you. Uh, just tell us, if you want to, the classes haven't started yet. Yes, mid-October. Mid, they start in mid-October, so you have absolutely plenty of time to get your medical appointments for the winter in order and then save time for a class. I, I might even take one this year. <gasps> or teach one, Ira. Oh, I know nothing. There's nothing that I could possibly teach. I could teach you how to grow terrible tomatoes, but that's another <laughs> whole story. So, Maddie, okay, here we go. Today we've been talking about the Open University of Wellfleet. My guests have been Rhoda Flaxman and Claude Curvin. I want to thank Matthew Dunn for his help in recording the program. If you'd like to find out more about this great school and great courses, check out openuniversityofwellfleet.org. This is Ira Wood, just trying to give you the lowdown on the Outer Cape Cultural Renaissance. One interview at a time. Bye for now.